Tonight, uh, like I said, I want to I continue talking about uh, following Christ. What does it mean to follow Christ? And, uh, you know, last week we, we kind of delved into some of the uh, prerequisites that God gave us before we can follow Christ. And so I'm just going to recap that. And uh, if you would, just uh, turn your Bible to Matthew chapter 16. I probably should have told you that before I started talking. But um, this is the same scripture that we read last week. Matthew 16, uh, verse 24. And the context of this is, is that Jesus had, is just beginning to tell his disciples about some of the sufferings that he's going to have to go through, that he's going to die. And see, uh, something that, that, that a lot of people don't realize is that the, the disciples believed that Jesus was going to ascend to power. You know, they thought that, he, that, his, that his means of salvation for the world was going to be through a physical ascension to power. And so now, now when they're beginning to see that he's going to have to suffer and he's going to have to die, you know, it says that Peter... Uh, he told him. He told him, "Not so, Lord. You know that, that'll never happen. You should. You should. That should never happen." And Jesus rebuked him. He said, "He said, uh, get behind me, Satan. You know I, I've got to. I've got to pursue God's plan. I've got to pursue God's plan for my life and what He wants for me." And so, and and it's at that point it says in in verse twenty four it says, "Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways." Take up your cross and follow me. And, you know, right there we see the two prerequisites before we can follow Christ. The first one is, is that we have to realize that we have an enemy besides the, besides the devil. You know, there is an enemy inside of us. You know, God created us as body, soul, and spirit. You know, the body is the physical part of us. Our soul is our personality, our character. It's, our, it's what uh, separates us from every other person. And our spirit is the eternal part of us that is renewed whenever God comes in, whenever we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The spirit is what God comes in and renews, and it's made whole. And um, it's what sets us apart from, from the animals, and it's what sets us in the image of God because the spirit is eternal inside of us. And God created us body, soul, and spirit. But whenever sin entered into the world, a fourth part of man was created. And, and the Bible identifies that. It calls it the flesh. Uh, and the flesh is those carnal desires inside of us that wage against God and His plan for our lives. It's, it's the thing that, that causes us to want to take shortcuts and, and, and maybe take the easy way than take the right way. And it's those things that keep us from fulfilling and being the best person, the best husband, the best wife, the best father, the best mother, the best employee, the best uh, friend, the best daughter, the best son. It keeps us from being all that God wants us to be, the flesh, because it wars against God's plan for our life. And the, the, the first prerequisite is, is the ability to say no to self. He said, if anybody wants to follow after me, you must deny yourself. And it's that ability to say, to say, you know, even though I, I don't want to do that, maybe, or I don't feel like doing that, even though I, I don't want to, uh, even though I don't want to apologize to my wife because I was wrong, I'm going to do it anyway because I feel God inside of me leading me to reconcile with my with my spouse. 
You know, it's, it's, it's these things, and I use that for an example uh, because the Lord brings me there a lot. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, uh, not to say that we, we, we haven't, God's rocking in our marriage, but, but you know, when you, live, when you live with somebody, I see, I see, some, I see some folks who, who have probably been married for a while, and, uh, you know, it, there, there are times whenever we have to say no to our flesh in order to do the right thing. Amen? You know, and there's, there's times when, when in life, you know, at work, with children, and everything that we do uh, in church, just in life in general, behind the closed doors, we have to learn to deny ourselves in order to follow the Lord. The second thing it says is to take up your cross. And the cross in, in this context represents all the troubles of life. Because how many of y'all know that there are troubles in life? You know, we, we have to work to make a living. Uh, we don't always get along with everybody at work. You know, we, we don't always get along with our family. We don't always get along with our friends. Sometimes bad things happen. You know, we, uh, people get sick. Loved ones die. Um, you know, we go through difficult times. Maybe we lose a job. There are, there are difficulties in this life. And we have to realize that. And on top of that, the Bible teaches us that the believer should expect additional troubles in life. It says that if we choose to go against the, against the grain of the world, then we can expect some resistance. We can expect some people to look at us funny, to oppose us, to, to maybe treat us wrong, to, um, to persecute us, you know, to speak poorly about us. We can expect uh, trials and tribulations to come into our life, and the Bible teaches that. But, the, but this taking up the cross, it says you can't let those things derail you. You know, you can't let those things just, just take you totally off track and get your eyes off of the Lord. You know, it, 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 I talked about last week how some of the NFL players, they're, they're suing the NFL because, they, have, because they, they say the NFL didn't protect them enough from concussions. But, you know, football is an inherently dangerous sport. And you know before you step on the field that there is inherent danger in the sport. And so if you're going to step on the field, you've got to understand uh, that there will be somebody trying to hit you, you know? And we've got to understand as people that in this life, in a fallen world, in a world that's been corrupted by sin, that there will be difficulty in life. And we can't let those things make us get mad at God. God didn't do it. You know, if I, if I, if I stand up on, a, on the edge of a building, I know that gravity exists. And I can't say, well, I'm just going to step off and the Lord's going to save me. And then I fall and I break both my legs. I can't be mad at God about that. And it's the same thing. We have to realize beforehand that, that our sin, the sin of people around us, and just, just the nature of a fallen world, that there will be difficulties in life. And we can't let those things derail us. It's, he's saying we've got to take up the cross. We've got to bear the troubles of life. And we've got to bear the troubles of the faith. And we've got to be able to keep our eyes on Jesus. And he says, he says if you can learn to deny yourself, and if you can bear the troubles of life and keep your eyes on me and keep pushing forward, then you're ready to follow after me. Only then. Otherwise, we'll find ourselves becoming disillusioned. We'll find ourselves becoming angry. We'll find ourselves becoming weak. We'll find ourselves feeling like we've been betrayed. But if we can learn to deny ourselves and take up our cross, we'll be able to follow after Him. So, uh, let's turn over to Matthew chapter 4. 
And I'd like to talk practically to you tonight about what it means to follow Jesus. What does it mean to, to follow Christ? And um, if you look for verse 18 there, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, He saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow Me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed Him. A little farther up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in, in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called, them to, he called them to come too. They immediately followed him, leaving their boat and their father behind. So here we see a very simple illustration of a very profound spiritual truth. Jesus, Jesus called these men and he said, I, I, I'm calling you to alter your life to follow after me. I want you to, to, to alter what you're doing, to change what you're doing, to change your direction in life. Excuse me. And I want you to come and follow after me. And these men, these men obeyed Jesus. They obeyed the command of God through Jesus and followed after Him. And God radically changed their lives and God radically changed the world through their lives because they, 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 they heard the Word of God through Christ. They followed after Him. They obeyed. And God used them powerfully. But there is a problem with this because as we all know, Jesus was crucified on the cross. He was buried in the tomb. And He rose, he rose up to heaven. So we no longer have a, a physically embodied Jesus to follow. And so the question is, how do we follow Jesus now? In, in the, you know, the Bible says that after, after Jesus rose again, we're in what's called the last day's error. You know, we're in the final phase of God's plan to reconcile humanity to, to Himself. And how do we follow God in, this, in these last day's errors, error? Era. <laughs> well, uh, the Apostle John records some of the words of Jesus where he kind of laid out. So if you turn over to John... Chapter 16, a couple of, couple of books to the right there. I want to show you what, what Jesus' plan was for us once He was gone. John chapter 16, verse 5, this is Jesus talking. He says, but, but now I am going away to the One who sent me. And not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the Advocate, speaking of the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send Him to you. And when He comes, He will convict the world of its sin, and of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in Me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see Me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, 
but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own, but will tell you what He has heard. And He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever He receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever He receives from me. See, whenever Jesus Jesus knew that, that He was going to die on the cross, but He told the disciples, He said, listen, you're going to be better off once I'm gone. And the reason is, is that before they had to physically follow a man. They had to physically follow Jesus, you know, God in the flesh. They had to follow Him. And, and, and we saw even, you know, at the crucifixion, there was, there was a lot of difficulty in that and that, you know, most of them fell away. Everybody but John fell away at the crucifixion. Most of them came back, but there was some difficulty in following man. Jesus said, it's going to be better for you because I'm going to give you something on the inside, something that you can take with you everywhere. And that is, that is the Holy Spirit. And you see, in order to follow Christ, the most important thing that we have to have to follow Christ is a sensitivity to His Holy Spirit inside of us. You know, uh, John, I, we, me and Laura, we recently read through John together in, in, our, in our family worship time. And, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I like to write in my Bible. I do it a lot. <laughs> And uh, I, looked, I looked for one with margins, and I just couldn't find it. So I just get it where I can. And, uh, but I wrote out all the things that, that the Gospel of John said about the Holy Spirit. And I'd just like to read you a couple of them. Uh, he said that the, a lot of them were in this passage. But he says, uh, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit recorded by John. He says, the Holy Spirit leads me into all truth. He gives me revelation and insight. He testifies about Christ. He convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And He brings Christ's glory. And you see, the way that we literally follow Christ now is that we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And see, back then, it's, it's, just, it's just the same principle, just better. Because back then, God would speak to men through Jesus Christ. Men would follow Christ, and they would be radically changed, and their world would be radically changed. And today, God speaks to us through, through His Holy Spirit on the inside of us, on the inside of the born-again believer. We obey, we follow, and God radically changes us and radically changes the world around us whenever we begin to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And I know, I know what maybe some of you are thinking right now is that, that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to me. You know, I, I, Somebody in your life may have told you that before. The Holy Spirit doesn't speak to me. But I want to tell you something tonight. The Bible makes it very clear that when we're born again, God's Spirit comes and makes us new on the inside. And so, and so a lot of times our issue is, is that we're, we're not or we don't know how to listen. You know, in, in, in Job 33, 14, it says that God speaks again and again, though people do not recognize it. God speaks over and over. More often than not, God's speaking to us. He's leading us. But a lot of times we're just not listening. A lot of times we're just not, we're just not tuned in to His Spirit and, and what He's wanting us to do. And um, 
the way that the way that we become more sensitive to the things of the spirit is that we have to feed our spirit. We have to feed the, the spirit man inside of us, the renewed spirit inside of us that, that is connected and led by God's Holy Spirit. And uh, the way we do that is, is we, we pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, there's, um, there's a difference between praying and praying in the Spirit. You know? Um, there's a power and a connection to God that comes when we pray in the Spirit, you know, and, and I, I, I struggle with this a lot. I, I find myself struggling with, with spiritualness, you know. I, I find myself, uh, you know, I'm an engineer. I'm very left-brained. I like to understand things. I like to logically uh, put things together. I, I, like a, I like A plus B to equal C, you know, and that doesn't always work with the Lord sometimes. But, you know, there's, 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 um, there's, there's something... There's something that, that where we got to kind of push through and begin to push into the Spirit, you know. There's a difference between, between when, uh, and I'll give you an example. You know, uh, sometimes, sometimes there's, there's, there's prayers where we maybe bless a meal, you know, and we, and we just bow our heads and we, we, say, we say, God, we pray that you would bless this food uh, and, and bless this fellowship. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, most of the times, those are good prayers. We're acknowledging God, we're thanking Him for our food, but most of the time, those aren't spirit-filled, spirit-led prayers. You know, the Bible says that we should enter into His courts with thanksgiving and, 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 and praise. You know, you might have noticed, you might have noticed whenever, whenever I prayed a while ago, you know, I, I, just, I began by saying, by thanking God. God, we thank You for Your presence. We pray that Your Holy Spirit would come upon us. We pray that You would come and begin to stir us, Lord. That You would begin to, to move inside of us, God. Lord, we, we thank, God, I thank You for my job. I thank You for my family. I thank You for what You're doing in my life. And, how you, and we begin to voice and, and stir up the Spirit. And you, can, and you can feel Him moving on you. And you can feel Him moving in you. And, and it starts to not even really be Your words. And it's difficult. You know, uh, it takes time and it takes, it takes focus and effort. But, it, but that, that, that prayer in the Spirit is one of the ways that we, that we feed our spirit. And, and I, I feel like that's for somebody because that was just one little line in my notes and I felt, I felt God leading me down that direction. I want to say, begin to push, to push into God's Spirit whenever you pray. Begin to push into His Spirit and, and I promise you, you'll see a significant difference in your prayer life. Uh, some other things, uh, reading God's Word. You know, we, gotta re- we have to read the Word of God. It feeds our spirit. The Bible says it's our daily bread. You know, whenever we don't put the, whenever we don't put the Word of God inside of us, we are, we are spiritually depriving our spirit of food. You know, and, and there's, there's similar uh, effects as to whenever we deprive our body of food. Uh, some other ways, worshiping God. Uh, serving in the church and serving others. And when we begin to feed our spirit, which is led by the Holy Spirit, more than we feed our flesh, the Holy Spirit begins to speak louder to us than our flesh. You know? And it starts to get a little easier to say, no flesh, no. You know, and deny ourselves and do that prerequisite to following God, following Christ. Uh, But it's essential, it's essential that that we have a sensitivity to His Spirit if we're going to follow Christ. We have to have a sensitivity to His Spirit. 
So, as we begin to hear God, and as He begins to lead us, and as we begin... can't get the page apart. <laughs> there we go. And as we begin to... Um, as we begin to follow Him, there's a couple of places where, where He leads. And uh, there's, three, there's three things that He leads us into. The first thing is service. You see, Jesus didn't call His disciples to go and have prayer meetings and read the Scriptures behind closed door. He said, follow Me, and I will make you fishers of men. He said, follow Me, and I'm going to teach you how to, how to actively do something. You know, for, for the kingdom of God. And you see, God's purpose is for Him to reconcile people to Himself through the church by believers plugged into the church. Did you know that? Did you know that God could have, could have chosen any method to reconcile the world to Himself, but He chose to form the church? That is God's method for reconciling the world to Himself. And, and, a, and a big problem today is, is that believers have disconnected from the church. You know, there's, there's, there's thoughts that, that I can have a, a perfectly good relationship with the Lord without being plugged into a local church. And, and you know, I want to tell you, you can be born again, you can be on your way to heaven, you can have a relationship with God, but, but we are not in the will of God unless we are plugged in and serving in the, in the church. You know, because that's God's plan. Uh... Philippians 2.5 says that uh, it tells us that we should have the same mindset as Christ who gave up His deity in order to become an obedient servant unto God. You know, and um, I think about it sometimes. You know, there's a lot of ways today that, 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 that you can plug into, you know, and serve in the church. There's a lot of ways that you can do that. Uh, there's also, you know, me and Laura, we talk about it sometimes. A lot of people are, um, are really ready to, to see what, what the church needs to do, but not ready to step up and, and, and feel that need, you know. And I, I just want to encourage you with a little story. Uh, a couple of, about a month ago or so, uh, right before Easter, actually, there's an event called the Last Days of Christ, where uh, it's a big live play, I guess, or outdoor play where there's different live scenes that people walk through and, and you see the different stages of, of, um, of Christ last week. And, um, you know, I just got it in my heart. I was like, we, we got to go support that. You know, uh, the Golden Triangle Church on the Rock, they run the evangelism booth at the end. And I, I just kind of got it in my heart. I was like, I, was like, I, I, think, I, think that, I think that we should support that. I really feel it in my heart, you know. And, and a lot of people, I don't know, you know, we may just not realize um, that we have the, the liberty to do what I'm about to tell you, or we may just not want to, but a lot of people would, would call Pastor Sam and say, uh, hey, Pastor, I really think that, that we, should, um, we should support Last Days of Christ and then kind of expect Him to make it happen. But, uh, you know, that, that's not necessarily the case. You know, what I did was I called him and I said, Hey, hey Pastor Sam, um, I really feel like, like we need to uh, support Last Days of Christ. Is it okay if I lead a group to the Last Days of Christ? And he said, Sure, 
you know, do it. And so I, I've got a thing in the bulletin, and i got a sign-up sheet at the back, and we showed up, and we went, and it was awesome, and it was good. But, but uh, you know, that's a freedom that we have. That's something in this church. And I'm not saying that, that Pastor Sam will bless anything and everything, you know, but, but a lot of times people are waiting for a, a service opportunity to come on to us whenever there are so many service opportunities that, that we can reach out and initiate and begin and, and, and plug into, you know. But, but anyway, service is something that God leads us into. It's a place where if we're going to follow Christ, we have to be busy about His business. We have to be fishers of men. And the church is the primary fishing vessel in, God, in, the, in the world that God gave us. Um, and so service is one of those places where... where, where um, where he'll lead us. And I want to encourage you just to be looking in, in your life, in your home, at work, and especially at church for a place to serve, you know? Uh, second thing, second thing that Christ leads us into is sacrifice. Uh, Jesus called his disciples to lay down their livelihood to follow after him. He said, he said leave what you have and follow after me. You know, um, they probably left friends and family but they, that, was, that was the requisite for them in order to follow Jesus. And little did they know it would only be a, a they only had three years to follow him and, and, and that he was the Christ and that they would be forever changed and, and that they would be a part of birthing the church of God and launching out, uh, you know, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ because they followed him. Uh, you know, Pastor Sam, like I said, he was in Africa with the Hatley family and, and they, they lived, uh, I think they lived in this area. Or maybe they lived up in Quitman, where, where Pastor Sam's from. But it must have been it must have been up in Quitman, because 25 years ago they sold everything that they had, and they moved to Africa, on it because God was calling them to go to Africa. And you know, a lot of times there 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 aren't. It's not that extreme for everybody, but there's always stuff that creeps into our life that hinders uh, God's purpose and plan in our lives. There's always stuff in our lives, you know, and there, you know, I, have, I wrote a couple of things down. Uh, sometimes if we get our eyes more focused on our stuff and our money than the Lord, you know, that's something, that's something that oftentimes that, that the Lord will put His finger on and He'll say, you need to lay that down. You need to make me first. You know, you need to, you need to lay that down and, and focus on me. It may be a relationship. You know, there's people in our lives. There's friends. There's, you know, I remember... Um, I remember before I got married, there there was there was there was there was women that I associated with that 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 did not bring me up, but that brought me down. You know, there's there's uh, there's there's people that we hang out with. You know, the Bible says that as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenances of his friend. And what that means is you're going to be like who you hang out with. <laughs> you know, whoever you let in your life, you're going to become a little bit like them. It may be a hobby. You know, I, uh, I'm not against hobbies. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, kind of a, I'm kind of a simple man myself. But, uh, you know, fishing, hunting, uh, you know, um, shooting, uh, you know, whatever it is, it's not a bad thing until it takes precedence over the Lord. Sometimes it's anger or unforgiveness. We have, we have anger in our heart or we've, we refuse to forgive somebody. These things can cause us to not follow after Christ. And God, as we begin to seek Him and follow Him, oftentimes He'll put His finger on that and, and, and he'll, say, he'll say ever so 
God, God will never, he'll, he'll never demand, but He'll say, He'll say, you need to lay that down. You need to sacrifice that because it's keeping you from the best that I have for your life. He calls us to sacrifice. You know, He calls us to, 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 to lay these things down. You know, since, since we've had Josiah, our little three-month-old, I've, I've, I've learned a lesson in, in, in sacrifice and, and I guess, um, and denial of self. And that, you know, there, there, there's some days where, you know, have, have you ever had a day, you know, you kind of had a rough day at work and, and you're just focused on some, some me time, you know? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I like sports, you know, I can zone out on sports, you know, I'm, I'm very good at getting in the chair and, and, and turning it into neutral. And uh, I'll, watch, I'll, watch, I'll watch Sports Center three times in a row, <laughs> you know? And it's the same thing over and over again, but, but you know, I'm just sitting there, I'm like, this is awesome, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and sometimes, sometimes we just get focused on, uh, on, on just me, you know. And, and I've had a rough day, it's going to be about me tonight. And I find myself whenever, especially now that we have a kid, I find myself that whenever I get into that, that kind of self-centered mentality, that, that whenever I get home from work, I get very frustrated because I've got my wife and I've got my son demanding my attention, demanding the attention that they deserve from me. But my flesh and, and, and this, this, this me, uh, this me uh, thing that I, that I have and that I'm, that, I'm, that I'm holding on to and that I feel like I deserve, it, it, kind of, it, it causes my, my heart and my soul to be divided and it creates frustration inside of me. But I also find that whenever I come home and I'm, I'm focused on my family and I'm focused on giving them attention, giving them the attention that they need and that they deserve, I find that I have these wonderful, awesome, beautiful nights that I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade for anything. You know, and there's things in our lives, and there's, there's probably things in your life right now that you're holding on to that are keeping you from wonderful, beautiful things that God wants to give you and do through you and do in you, but you're holding on to these, these, these me things. You're holding on to them. And God calls us to sacrifice. He calls us to lay these things down so that He can lead us and so that He can do the very best that He has for us in, in our lives and, and use us to the max. Sacrifice. And the, um, the third thing that God leads us into is suffering. You know, in, in, in uh, John 16, 33, Jesus tells us that believers can expect trouble in this world. He said, you should expect trouble in this world. He said that, <laughs> you know. Uh, James 1, 2-4 says, uh, Dear brothers and sisters, when, very important word, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So, let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Uh, the Apostle Paul, you, remember the, you may remember the passage where he's talking about the... He says, he says that God gave him a thorn in the flesh. There was, something, there was something in his life that was really, really difficult. And he never identifies it, but it, it's something that was so difficult that... He prayed over and over and over and over again for God to take it away. 
something, some difficulty, some trial in his life. And, uh, and finally, God said, I'm not going to take it away, but, and this is what God told him, he said, my grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. I don't think I said that. But something that you've got to realize is, is that Jesus never promised comfort, ease, and pleasure in this life. That is a, that is a false gospel. You know, uh, the, 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 the evangelist that preaches that if we come to Christ, we're going to experience ease, pleasure, and comfort is a, is a false evangelist. And, and those who come to Christ with that expectation, and if we come to God with that expectation, we're going we're gonna to become disillusioned and, and sadly upset. Because just like the football players, we've got to understand on the front end that, 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 that there will be suffering for following Christ. There will be persecutions and difficulties that, that, we, did not, that we did not understand. But you know what Jesus told them after He said, um, you'll have troubles in this world? He said, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. You know, He told, he told Paul, He said, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. It's all that you need. Because you know what I'm doing in you, Paul? While you're being made weak, and while you can't fix it on your own, you're having to lean into me in your weakness. I'm making you strong. Because you're learning to trust in me. You're learning to rely on me. My grace is all that you need, he said. Uh, on some level, every believer must suffer to follow Christ. You know, we all, we all are going to suffer in our following of Christ, even if it's just the pangs of life. We're all going to suffer as we follow Christ. Uh, we will experience resistance because we're going against the flow of the world. And uh, I just want to encourage you that if you're going through a time of suffering right now, or when you go through a time of suffering eventually, we need to understand something that the Bible says that if we will let Him, God will use our suffering for the good of His purpose in the world. may not be your good. We've got to be okay with that. You know, the Bible says that God works all things together for good. He doesn't say He works it to get all things together for your good, for our good. You know, but, but we've... For me, if, if, I, if I can believe and if I can have faith that God, somehow you're using my pain to advance and enhance your kingdom, to fulfill your purpose in the world, and, and I, I, that's what your word says, and I'm going to have faith in that, that should move me through my suffering, understanding that it's not for nothing, but God's using it to progress His plan in the world for somebody's good, for His kingdom's good. And if we follow Him, we should expect suffering, but we can understand that it's not for nothing. You know? Christ had to suffer so that you could be saved. Believers have to suffer so that His, so his, his, his kingdom can be advanced in a lost, in a, in a, in a hurting, and a dying world. There's got to be friction. There's got to be friction. There, you know, no pain, no gain. 
You know what I mean? It's a spiritual principle. And so the question is, you know, here we are. We're going to follow Christ into service, into, into sacrifice and suffering. And on the surface, that, that doesn't look too awesome, you know, from the flesh side. You know, uh, those aren't things that, that, that make us jump up in the air and say, yippee, you know. Uh, but there's more to the story than, than that. And the question, I, I, you know, that, that we ask ourselves is why in the world would I follow Jesus Christ to, to such extreme measure if, 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 if that's what I'm to expect? I'll tell you why. The first thing is, is that Christ has already given everything for you. You know? You need to understand something. You need to, you need to get something. We, we as believers, you know, too often Christ on the cross is a story and a fairy tale. We need to understand that Christ, uh, God, came down to earth, took on a human flesh body, and that He truly went and was beaten and suffered and died for you. You need, to, you need to get that deep down in your heart. You need to meditate on that. You need to get to the point where it's not a fairy tale in your mind what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Whenever, whenever, whenever Christ was on the cross, He saw me. He saw Josh Trevino. And the Bible says that that God made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You know, the Bible says that God showed His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And I want to tell you tonight, you need to get that, you need to get it deep in your heart that Christ died for you. He suffered for you. He suffered for your children. He suffered for your parents so that we might become the righteousness of God. There was no guarantee that you would ever trust Christ. But He died for you. The Bible says that that now, now that we've been redeemed in Christ, we're like men alive from the dead. We're playing on house money. We're, we've got a second chance that we never should have had. We're alive from the dead. We should live as men alive, men and women alive from the dead because Christ gave everything for us. And that should be enough. But that's not all that He offers us. He also says that He will reward us eternally for serving Him. That what we do in this life will eternally be rewarded whenever we go to heaven. I want to read you something. Uh, back to Matthew chapter 24. Read this, I read this last week. Wait, Matthew 16, I'm sorry. This is right after our, the first scripture that we read about. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Verse 25 says, If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with His angels. Click in here if you're not. Click in with me here. For the Son of Man will come with His angels in the glory of His Father. 
and will judge all people according to their deeds. And what we have to realize is, is that one day, each and every one of us is going to stand before God and He's going to judge us according to what we did for His kingdom. You know, and, and a lot of people say, well, I thought, I thought God doesn't judge our deeds. I thought we got to heaven by faith. You would be correct. We're born again and we're saved by faith in Christ and what He did on the cross. But what we have to realize is, is that the Bible teaches over and over and over again that the believer will be eternally positioned and eternally rewarded according to what we have done. You know, we don't do good deeds to be saved. We do good deeds because we are saved. And as we do those things, the Bible says that we store up for ourselves treasures in heaven. You know, and and I want you to understand something. Jesus didn't speak these words trying to incite fear. You're going to be judged by your deeds, you know. That's not what His purpose was. His purpose wasn't wasn't to, to incite fear. His purpose was to motivate and to help us to understand that, that as, we, as we move in suffering and sacrifice and service to Him, that we can have eternal perspective and understand that one day that everything that we do will be eternally rewarded if we do it for His kingdom and we do it as we follow after Christ, as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our lives. <sighs> You know, last week I said that as people, as human beings, we can expect to live 80, 90, 100 years, maybe, you know, maybe 110. The Bible says that what we do in this life will position us for eternity. You know what, you know what percentage 110 years is of eternity? Zero percent. And we need to get this eternal perspective. We need to understand that God is asking for 0% and He'll reward us for eternity. You know, He just wants us, he wants us to lay down our, our, our flesh, our sinful desires. He wants us to lay down those things that we hold on to that keep us from, the purpose, from His purposes in, in our lives. He wants us to, to commit to service. The church is in a state of, of, of not wanting to commit to anything. People don't want to commit to anything. We want to, we want to move by how we feel, but I want to tell you, God is calling us to commit to His purposes and the church and His, and, and His plan for our lives. He's calling us to commit to these things. And He asks us to give just this little, this little whisper in time, and because of that, He'll reward us for eternity, the Bible says. And so I want everybody... Uh, just close your eyes right now. And, uh, you know, I want you to ask yourself this question. If you were to die today and you were standing before God, would He say that you are a follower of Christ? Because there's a difference. You can be born again. You can trust in the Lord and be born again and not follow Christ. And I want you to understand something tonight, that, that we only have so many years. The clock is ticking. The clock is ticking on our lives. We're given, we're given X amount of time, and then we pass into eternity. And something that you need to understand tonight is that all your stuff 
which is, again, stuff isn't bad. You know, all your hobbies, hobbies aren't bad. The television shows that you love, the, 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 the clothes that you wear, the money in your bank account, none of that's going to last in eternity. And God, God wants all those things for us. God wants to bless us. God wants to enjoy life. The Bible says that God richly gives us all that we need for our enjoyment. But what you've got to understand is, is that He's got to be first. And He's got to have absolute veto power in your life. He's got to have absolute authority in your life. And, 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 and you've got to be listening enough to say, Yes, Lord. And one day, whenever we go to heaven, the only thing that's, that we can bring with us is the, is the impact that we made for the kingdom of God. The Bible says that everything else will fade away. But the impact that we make for His kingdom as we follow after Him, that will stay with us for eternity. And so tonight, I just want to encourage you, you know, to think on these things. Am I listening to the Holy Spirit in my life? Am I feeding, am I feeding my flesh so much that, 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 I, that I, I'm, I'm driven by my own desire and I, and I can't hear the leading of God inside of my life? Or am I, am I taking the time to pray and to read His Word and to worship and to, and to, and to come and fellowship at church and to, and to feed my spirit so that my spirit can begin to speak to me by, by, by His Holy Spirit? Am I following Him in service? Am I, am I doing anything for the Lord? Am I following Him in sacrifice? Are there things in my life that I need to lay down? We need, we need, to, continually, we need to continually be asking God, God, search me, Lord. Search me, God. Point out in me, you know, this is a psalm. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Point out in me anything that offends you and lead me along the paths of everlasting life. We need to continually pray that prayer so that God has the authority to say, Son, lay that down. It's holding you back. I got something better for you. And are we willing to follow Him in sacrifice? I mean, suffering. Are we willing to follow Him in suffering? Are we, are we willing to, to follow Him to where it hurts a little bit? To where maybe it makes us a little bit uncomfortable? I want to tell you something, that, that these things, anything that you lay down, any pain that you may have to go through for following Christ, you're going to get something in return so much better. Something spiritual, something eternal. And you're going to be a better man, a better woman, a better father, a better husband, a better son, a better daughter, a better friend, a better co-worker, because you're going to be walking in the purpose of God for your life. And I promise you, if you will begin to follow Christ by the leading of His Holy Spirit, God will radically change you. And He will radically change the world around you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love You so much.